And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. You know, I Christmas is you know probably my favorite time of the year, um, and, and I know some of you probably I see some nodding heads. You probably share that time. I there's a lot of reasons, especially now being a dad and seeing our kids opening their gifts. That's always that's always a pleasure uh, for Lacey and I, and um, and we. Uh, but there's a different reason that I, I always enjoy the Christmas season, the uh, the Advent season, as as we celebrated growing up as as a, as a family. But um, you know. On December the 22nd, 1999, it's a pivotal day in my life because it's on that day that I made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So Christmas carries, we, we already talk about Jesus and we already, in his birth and we're the anticipation of the coming of Christ, his first coming, as well as looking forward to his second coming, um, all of those things. But in this time of the year, I, I get really, I just nostalgic, I think about leading up to the 22nd uh, of December 1999. I, I can think about being invited out by a local youth group. Uh, that's why, you know, youth ministry is just, it's always been what I've wanted to do. I've wanted to work with teenagers all my life, and God's given me an opportunity to do that here. And I, and I think about that first, that first invite that I got from, a, from the youth pastor there in Weewa Hitchco, Florida, to go hang out. It wasn't to a church service. It was just to go hang out. It was just to go be with the youth group. And, um, and I, I noticed something that night in the mall, early part of December, we were shopping for the less fortunate kids in our town. Um, and I, I noticed something that was different in the lives of those teenagers that I went to school with. If you've ever been to Weewa Hitchco, you know, you're, you pretty much know everybody in town, okay? I mean, it's not, it's not a big metropolis at all, um, 3,500 people strong. Um, and we always joke that the, you know, the only 30, the only people that can live in Weewa are the 3,500 people that live there. So to all my Weewa Hitchco friends, I love you. Um, they're watching on Facebook probably, but uh, um, it was just a great town to grow up in. But I noticed something different in those young men and women. They had something that I did not have. The laughter, the joking around. I, there was just, there was a, growing up and some of the stuff I dealt with in my childhood, and some of you know my story, and I'm not going to get really deep into that today, but, but, you know, there was just this void, there was this emptiness that I was longing to feel. And I remember a young man who wasn't much older than me in that youth group saying, I said, you know, what's your deal? Like, you're, you guys are happy, you're laughing, you're singing all these songs. And he's like, you know, Zach, the only thing I can really think is I got Jesus. And that didn't make sense to me. I've heard of him before. I, I, I knew of this Jesus. I went to church uh, occasionally with my family. I remember growing up, we were, um, I, got, I got baptized or I was christened um, in, the, in the Methodist church there in Quincy, Florida. My grandmother poured, poured her you know, devotion life into us. And, and I, but I didn't understand that I could have a relationship with Jesus. That's, that's the phrase he used too. Like, I just got a relationship with Jesus. And, and it started my mind, my young 12-year-old mind just started racing. Like, I, what do you mean you have a relationship with Jesus? How is that even possible? And so I was all in. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted to know him like these guys and these girls knew him. I wanted what they had. So I remember making that decision um, at my bedside in my, mom, you know, in my mom's house there in Weewall. But, you know, getting to know Jesus wasn't a hard, or wanting to be on board and, and following him wasn't a hard decision. He loved me. He died for me. 
He was there to give me purpose. He was there to give me meaning. He, he set me free. He brought meaning to the emptiness that I was feeling. He filled this void. I mean, it was not like, you know, instant. It was, well, let me say it was instantaneous, but there was something that I never knew that I was missing, even as a young man that day in that little bedroom in Weewong. You know, and as I grew, thank God for the men and women in my life. My best friend, I mean, that's what he used to introduce himself as, was uh, uh, Brother Milton Whitfield. He was 86 years old. Some days, some days he was 84, if, whenever he'd ask him. But I would hang out with him. I would, I would spend time with him. He was one of those, just one of the older men in our congregation. He was a deacon, uh, usher at times. Mean, he served, he did everything. But he would invite me over to cut his grass. Uh, that's what he would say. I need you to come. And, but then, you know, we would cut, I would cut the grass and then, he would spend the next hour just, I didn't know what it was then, but looking back now, he was just discipling me. He was taking time with this young guy. Or he would come and pick me up. He would come pick me up uh, in, the, in the summer months, and we, there was a place called Maxine's Restaurant in Weewahitchka, um, and they had fresh seafood. Now, if you know anything about the location of this restaurant, it was in the middle of the woods, so I don't know how they got fresh seafood all the time, but they did, and it was good. But he would take me there, and he would just spend time with me. I'm thankful for men like that and other women who poured into my life because it was through that discipleship that I learned that God the Father loved me for who I was that he, he had called me out of darkness into this marvelous light and that he had a plan for me. And I remember them speaking that into my life over, I say all that because that's the joy for those of you that have been following the Lord for a long time. You get an opportunity to pour into the next generation. And when you have that opportunity, be it your kids or your grandkids or maybe a kid here at this church sees that opportunity because they need someone to speak into their life. If it wasn't for Milton Whitfield, I don't know if I'd be standing here today. I'm thankful for him. But anyway, all those things he poured into my life and he shared with me. Uh, I grew up and I held on to those truths. But, you know, freshman year in college came. And, it was, and I didn't go to a Christian university to start off with. I went to uh, Gulf Coast Community College to save a little bit of money. Um, I was waiting on a scholarship offer from one of the, the football schools that I had applied for, Southwestern. Um, I had to wait a year before I went there. So I went to Gulf Coast. And, man, I remember freshman year, you know, some of the philosophies and the humanities I had to take. My whole Christian worldview, everything that I had ever believed was challenged for the very first time. Anyone ever been there? Anyone ever remember that? And I was challenged, and, and here's the question that I was posed and I had to ask myself that day, and I think it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Who is God, and how do I view him? And that's the question that I kind of want to jump into this discussion, and, and the title of my message today is God with us. Um, there's a, one of the theologians that I, I like to read, one of many, uh, A.W. Tozer, this is a quote from him, he says, A.W. Tozer says, and it's on the screen, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How you and I see God is important because it shapes what we believe about him and also how we choose to live our lives. The best, and get this, and now you're going to say, well, this is does. I guess a dull moment. The best source to know who God is is through his word. It's his word, and we're going to go there today. We're going to spend a lot of time. There's a lot of scriptures, so if you have your Bible, or you can turn it on, or you can open it up, however you want to do it, um, and we, of course, have the, the, the passages on the screen, 
My Christian worldview was challenged, but it, it forced me to look deeper into what I really believed. And I had to ask myself, do I have a solid biblical worldview? Am I basing what I believe of God off of what his holy word says? Because as a believer and as a Christian, this is like the penultimate. This is the source of life. He sent this word to reveal himself to us. It's how I know who he is. It's how I know his character. It's how I know his heart. And, and it reveals itself all the way starting in Genesis and all the way to the book of Revelation. I believe the whole thing, church. I believe, all, I believe it all the way through even to the maps. All of it's true to me. It's true and it's life-giving and it's life-changing. And you know what? We'll spend the rest of our life studying it and reading it and, we'll, and he will reveal himself continually more and more each day. I fully believe that. So there's some key passages I want to talk about, and really one of the doctrines of the church that I really want to teach on, and I'm not going to go super deep in this, but the doctrine as we, as we really get to, or the teaching that we're really focusing on here in this Christmas season is the doctrine of the incarnation, God becoming man. It's, it's pivotal, it's central to everything we believe in Christianity. It's also a paradox. How can God be fully man? And fully God at the same time in Jesus. But he is. And the scriptures, it doesn't take long, church, as we're reading. We get into the gospel of Matthew right off the bat, even from the words of Isaiah. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. This is what it says. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And here's the fulfillment of this from the, from the prophet Isaiah. It says, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So at the very start, the angels that had revealed to Joseph and Mary that day, the incarnation, this idea, this thought of God becoming human form, coming to us to meet us where we are, is, is right off the bat. It's revealed right in the first gospel. But it doesn't just stop there in Matthew. We keep reading. One of my favorite passages that is found in John chapter 1, verse 14, and this is out of the message version. I just like the way that, uh, that he puts it. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We know that the word he's talking about there is Jesus. And, and here's, the, here's the beauty of this doctrine and what we believe uh, in our Christian, in the Christian faith and our biblical worldviews that the incarnation of Christ is central to the Christian faith. I wrote it this way. It says, we believe that in Jesus, God became a human being. God left the blessed domain of heaven and was born in Bethlehem. Took on humanity that we might share in the blessing of heaven. He took on our sins so that we might share in his righteousness. He set us free from the oppression of Satan's rule. And in him, we have perfect freedom and liberty. And we've been reconciled back into relationship with him. That's the reason. That's the point of the incarnation. God becoming human. Understanding our story from the inside. In Jesus. Jesus is God's loving embodiment to the world. He is God to the world. And God understands our story from the inside, as I already said, because he became human. It's very pivotal that we believe this. And we were talking with the, the, the middle and high school students this morning. We asked them the same question. And I asked you, the same question I asked you to start this message off was, 
And this is crucial. This is central to our belief. Jesus is not a created being. He's not just a good man or a good prophet, but he is both fully God and fully man. Amen? And it is in Jesus that we perfectly see what God is like. I'm going to say it again. In Jesus, we perfectly see what God is like. We understand his character. We understand his love. We understand who the Father really is when we look at Jesus. And I want to spend just a few minutes kind of dissecting that a little bit uh, and sharing some key scriptures with you. Um, And I've already mentioned it a little bit, but John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. That sounds very familiar, right? Genesis 1, 1, John's making a parallel to both of those things. He says, but John's saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God. The very, he is the one who spoke creation into existence. If we really look at that word, when it says, when, and what John's doing there is he, tie, he the, the Greek word there is called logos. And to the Greek reader of that day, they would have understood, especially in the Roman understanding of religion, that they believed that there was this all-supreme being, the, the logos of the universe that created and held everything into place and held everything that was and is, the unseen and the seen. And John goes ahead and he tells his readers right off the bat, he says, yeah, that person, that person, the logos is Jesus. The first century reader would have totally got it there. It would have been, it would have been like, man, that one mind blown. But wait a minute, you're saying that Jesus, this human being who is in the flesh is also God, the creation, the creator who created everything that we see. And, and that's, that's the, the storyline that we get from, from the very beginning of Genesis all the way through the whole entire New Testament. Remember we said in John 14 that the word became flesh and he lived among us or he moved into our neighborhood. He's the, he's, the, he's the spoken, the creative act of existence. He was, he's been there since the beginning of time. He was actually before the beginning of time, before the foundations of the world, the universe, were made, Jesus was. But this doesn't just stop with John here. It goes even into uh, the apostle Paul when he picks up in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. It says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That Jesus is the image of God. Listen to what Paul says to the Colossian church. He says, he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Talk about supremacy of Jesus. This is the early belief. This is the early Christianity. This is where we see. And this, and, 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 and this is where not just Paul is teaching on this, and he says it, he says it very similar in the same way to the Ephesian church. It's all throughout his letters. And then we get to the writer of Hebrews Chapter 1, verse 3, what the writer is really saying is Jesus is the perfect expression of God's character, 
Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by him and his mighty power of his command. You know, as I as I thought about it growing up, there was times where, um, and I was like I said, I was thankful for the men and women who poured into my life and who really shared who Jesus was and how they they never really used terminology like this. It wasn't until much later, and, until I went into Bible college and we were learning all these doctrines and things like this. But it wasn't new revelation to me. It was just like, oh, well, that makes sense. But I remember talking to people at times growing up, and they were either really mad at God. Or they, they seem to follow God out of a set of like legal rules. Like it was like, I'll, I'll do this and do this and then God will approve of me. And, and, I, and I remember at times I would struggle with that growing up. Like I, I remember and I was telling one of my, uh, I was telling my youth pastor growing up, I saw him over the weekend uh, and I said, you know, I remember being so scared that if I didn't go home and I didn't pray at least 30 minutes and read my Bible that God would be angry with me. And I, and I lived in that fear sometimes, and I don't know where it came from, really. I don't know where it was motivated from. But the truth of the matter is, is that when I look at the scripture and when I really delve into what, who God is and his character, his nature, it, it's not that I have to earn his love. It's that he's always loved me. And he's always been beckoning the heart of the one that's wayward just to come back to him. The message of the gospel is that just come and follow me. Come and see me. Come and, and we say this, come and taste and see that I am good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Man, it's one of the first, I remember learning that Bible passage even before I was going to church. And I remember thinking that, and then John, this guy, the same man who hung out with Jesus, this young disciple, he writes in 1 John 4, 8, he says, he says that God is love. The very essence, the very nature, the very purpose, and the very, how God is defined is love. He, he loves me so much, and this is revealed, church, in the, in the incarnation. It's revealed in Jesus' coming. It's revealed, at, at, and it's also revealed in the cross. The ultimate sign of self-sacrificial love is that God, God came and he stepped into our place. And the Bible says that he became sin for you and for me to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself. And when I think about that love, I, I don't think of it's something that I have to earn. It's just something that I choose and I, I submit my life, I submit my heart to. And, that, and that's, the, that's the call of every one of us in here. Where do you place your faith? If I want to know his character, if I want, and, and, that's what, and that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying, the very character of God the sun radiates. And the last passage I really want to share when we're talking about the incarnation here is probably one that I've read many, many times, but up until the last few years, it really has just started to click. And it's John chapter 14, and it starts in verse 6. It's a, it's a famous passage of scripture. Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he's answering a question from Thomas. And this is what Jesus says to Thomas as he, as he's, uh, and he's talking to all of them. He says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you get that, the article before that, the word the? I am not a way. 
or a truth or some part of life. He said, no, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's profound that we believe that. It's pivotal that we believe that. And listen, he doesn't stop there. He says, if you had really known me, now this is something else that he tells his disciples. These guys have been hanging with him for the last three plus years. But this is what he says is, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But that doesn't stop there. What is the next verse? Philip, one of his other followers, says, says Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. In verse 9, is the one that really gets you. It's the one that, that really was an eye-opener to me many years ago. It says, this is what Jesus replied. I have been with you all this time, and yet you still don't know who I am. And these are Jesus' words, and anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Or your version may say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? I, I've always you know, wondered at times as I've read through this and as I was praying and, and just searching my heart and getting ready over the last week, I am not trying to proof text my way to, to prove a point to you that God, that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is something that we've walked through and that we've seen and there's many more scriptures and, and passages that we could share all morning long with you. But the point is, is that the early followers of Jesus believed this. Early, the early Christian church taught and shared this truth that Jesus is God in the flesh. And the reason this is huge is because for a first century Jewish man to claim that someone else was God, he would have been viewed as a heretic and a blasphemer. And this is the prevailing thought all throughout the New Testament. They were fully convinced of it. They were all into this. They, they had fully believed that Jesus had revealed himself fully as God, as the Messiah, as the anointed one, as the way, the truth, and the life, and there was no turning back. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if I want to know who God is or what he's like or his character or his compassion or how he loves. I don't have to look very far, and neither do you, church. All we have to do is have to look at Jesus. So to go back to the question that I posed that, that, that Tozer, A.W. Uh, Tozer asked us, he says, to answer, so to answer Tozer's question, when God comes to mind, I think of Jesus because he is the full revelation of God to us all. He's the full revelation of God to us all. And you say, this is great, Zach. I'm glad you shared all this with us. But what does this have to do with us today? Can I say that it's more than just a head knowledge to know that? It's more than God calls us to just have this head knowledge that, yes, God is revealed in the person of Jesus. It's deeper than that. It's so much deeper that, it, that God is calling us as believers to believe this, but, but also to live it out. What I believe the incarnation teaches and what scripture shows us is that God values relationship, love, and reconciling people to himself. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I believe that the apostle Paul was on to something if we'll go and we read those Corinthian letters, especially 1 Corinthians 12. 
If you get a chance today, I'd encourage you to read like 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 all together because they sum it up. But you, you think about, if you think about the history of, you, of the Corinthian church, this was a church that was pretty, they were pretty messed up at times. They, they didn't have it all together. And that's okay because, you know, there's no perfect church out there. Um, but, but Paul was pastoring and discipling these people, the, this group of people. And at this point, they were arguing about who had the more superior spiritual gifts they were arguing about how to use their gifts in operation. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses an analogy, the human body. And he talks about how each part of the, of the church and each part of the, of the human body has a function, but so does each part of us. He refer, it's referred to us throughout the New Testament that we are the body of Christ. We are his hands, we are his feet extended. God uses all of our gifts together to build each other up as well as reach people outside of these walls. That's what we're called to do. He even goes on, as I said, in, in, in the second letter to the Corinthians that we read in chapter 5, verse 20. Paul makes this statement. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. Or another way of saying we are his representatives to the world. Why is the incarnation important? Why is it that we believe that and all those things important? It's because of this very point that we are the body of Christ. We are his representation to the world to carry this message of reconciliation, to carry this message of truth and of love and in grace and mercy extended to people outside of these walls that do not know him as Lord and as Savior. See, God in Jesus accomplished everything that he came to do. He destroyed the works of the devil. He destroyed, he, he dispelled the powers and those authorities at the cross. But he did not stay dead. He rose again and he sits at the right hand in perfect authority. And I love the promise that he gives to the disciples at the end. He says, I haven't left you, nor will I forsake you. That all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he releases us to go. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and me. And it's not just to bottle it up and just to contain it until we get to heaven. It's to share heaven right now with all those that we come in contact with. It's to make a difference in the world today. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. It's to care for the You know, when, I, when, when you think about what Jesus did, he healed the sick. He cleansed the leopard. He set at liberty those that were captive or bonded or bound by evil spirits. Uh, so he cast out demons. He, uh, he fed the hungry. He cared for the poor. He did all those things. He continued that. That was his ministry throughout. And if you and I are the body of Christ, then it is our responsibility and it's the call of God upon our life to share his forgiveness, to share his love, and to share in the ministry of reconciliation. Church, there's no insignificant role in the body of Christ. Each one of you play a very important role. Each one of you have value. Each one of you have worth. Each one of you brings something to the table. God's put a gift inside of you to use. You read that chapter 12 and Paul says, you know, you know all of us have these different functions and the, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the ear, I don't need you. We all need each other. We all are dependent, I'd say dependent upon, but the, the idea of the church, the body of Christ, not a physical building, but you and me, the people of God, we're there for each other when things are going good and when things are going bad. 
We're there for each other to pray and to encourage and to lift up and to, to strengthen and to, we use the word edify in the church, but that, that just to encourage when you're in a good spot or when you're in a bad spot. That's why it's so crucial, I think, like small groups are important or like the ladies event that's coming on Tuesday. There's going to be an opportunity for you to go there and be in a room of people that want to, you're going to worship, you're going to exchange a, a, a coffee mug, which is, you know, a tangible gift, but you get to do life with people. God is a God who has always been a God of relationship, and he's in calling us all in that context of relationship. So from small groups to services that we do to events that we have, they're all done with a purpose, not so that we can just put something else on the calendar, but because the intentionality is that we want to be the church of Jesus Christ. We want to be his body extended to people who need to hear of this great, great message that we both carry within our hearts. And, within, and, and so this is, the, this is the good news that Jesus came. This is the good news that he wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just another good prophet. He wasn't just someone who died and had no impact, but his, his life and his ministry still continue, and it continues through you and through me, those of us that have put our faith in Jesus. Amen. He did not save us from, from a world just to escape, but he saved us to make an impact, an eternal impact in our world. And it could just be in the life of just one person. It could be in just the life of one person that you come in contact with. As I think about Christmas that's coming, I ask this question to, to the believer in this room today, to the, to the Christian that's here today, the Christ follower, is how are you using your gifts right now to share the good news of Jesus? That's not, it's a rhetorical question. I just want you to ponder that for a second. Brother Norm, if you'll come to the keys. The gifts that God's put in you, how are you using those to share this gospel, this good news that God is with us, that he's already came and he's made a way? You have an opportunity. Maybe God's already been speaking to you through this service. I know the, the message that was given in tongues in the interpretation was that God wants to take that heaviness off of you. Whatever burden you've been carrying, you know, there's a lot of times, and I know I do this personally myself, I think, man, there's so much need out there in the world. Where do I even start? Who, what, what do I even do? How can I do anything? And a lot of times you just overthink it, overthink it, and you end up never doing anything. Can I say this, that God has not called you to be the Savior. He's already done that. He's already done that. Man, but he, he's put you where you are, I believe, intentionally and strategically. Either your place of work, at the school that you attend or in the community that you're involved in or the people that he's placed in your life right now. I just don't think it's by happen chance that you're there. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, if he's the king of your heart, he's put a message inside of you that he wants you to share with that person. You got a great opportunity. We as a church have a great opportunity to impact our community every single day. Not just by the events that we do, but because we are the church. We are the body of Christ. When we say that we're evangel, we're talking about every single person sitting in these seats here today. When pastor says this is the greatest congregation in the world, he's talking about you. He's talking about God has put a ministry inside of you to go and to share his love, his heart, the love of Jesus with those that are outside.
And if they attend here, great. But if, they, if they're in the kingdom, that's even better. I believe that we serve a God who's all-powerful and God who is, who is in complete and total control. And that I, nor do you, have to any longer allow Satan to have any dominion or any rule in our life. I don't have to give him any authority. I don't have to give him any of those things because Jesus has already taken care of all that, all that stuff. And when those lies come in or when those, when that guilt comes back or, hey, you remember what, what you used to be, Zach? Or, hey, do you remember your past, John? You remember what you used to be? I, I can quickly dispel that lie and say, yeah, I, I do. But Jesus has already taken care of that. You got a message of reconciliation to share with the world. That's for the believer I just talked about. Now, now for someone here today, you may not, you say, you know, Zach, I, 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 I believe in Jesus. I, I, this, this, it's all good what you're saying. I don't have a problem with Jesus, but maybe, maybe in your heart, you've had this dichotomy of who God is and who Jesus is. You see Jesus as the Savior, but you see God as the angry dad who's just waiting in the distance. Can I say that that's not the true picture? That's not what the gospel presents. He's not. He's not far off. He's not distant. My prayer today and this whole week as we were getting ready for this message was that I pray that as we read these scriptures and as we talked about them, as we discussed them, that the Holy Spirit would begin to stir in your heart that Jesus, when you look at Jesus, that you see the Father. Man, a Father who loves you, who wants a relationship with you, who says that you have value and that you have worth. And today you may be here and you say, I've never thought of God that way. I share with our students that I had a tendency, and I think a lot of us do, we, we project our, our earthly parent, maybe a dad or a mom, on the image of God and, and you know that's just natural because we're humans and no matter if you had a good dad or you didn't the love of God the Father far supersedes that of any earthly parent and I know that's crazy to think if those of you that are parents there I think about my three girls Ella, Maggie, and Nora and I would do anything for them but I, 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 I tell them when we do devotion time and I is that I love you but there is but Jesus loves you so much more and that Jesus wants you to know that he loves you just as you are because he created you that way. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you've been struggling so much to just try to earn approval and you've been struggling so much to try to find purpose and you do this and you do that and you run here and you run there and it all just still feels empty and it all just still feels void. But can I say today that you, you can stop running and trying to fill that with, with those other things. And today, right here, Jesus is here. He's here for you. With arms open, fully embraced, saying, I'm here. I'm here. If you go ahead and stand with me. If that's you today, we're going to invite our, 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 um, our prayer team to come back real quick. Because I don't want you to leave here today and not have an opportunity for someone just to agree with you that, hey, I today, either for the very first time 
Or maybe I just need to make a recommitment to understand that God has always loved me, that he's always made a way, and that the invitation is still open, church. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe it's not been on good terms, or maybe you've been that, that guy or that girl that I just talked about, you've just been seeking to fill it with all these other things and with earning his love. Can I just say he freely, wants to, he freely just wants to give it today? You bow your head and close your eyes. We'll just... If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one or you want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord, no one's looking right now, just me and you and Jesus. We just raise your hand real high and I can see it. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to give you an opportunity. Also, for the believer in you here today, if you are, man, you just feel like God's been stirring something in your heart. Maybe it's a small group that you'll lead in the spring or maybe it's a ministry that's right now in this, in this season that they just need volunteers. They just need people to go and do. And you've, you've just been on the fringe and you've been kind of, I don't know, I don't know. But maybe the Lord's been dealing with you about that. And you just want someone to agree with you. Those things that God's been speaking to you about and you just need someone to pray with you for wisdom and for direction. That's what this altar call is for too. For those two gentlemen that raise their hands I just say, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. And if you, and there are people, yeah, give them a hand. Good. Welcome to the kingdom of God. There are people down here that will pray with you about that. And then if you, if you were those two guys that raised your hand, I want you to uh, make sure we got some resources we want to bless you with. But we're going to open this altar. We're going to worship Jesus. And if you need prayer about what God's calling you to do in this season, to live in relationship, to extend his love to those outside these four walls. There are people here waiting. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that the word became flesh and come and dwelt among us. I thank you that in Jesus, you are the perfect revelation of who God is. That I have no question that we here today have no question of who God is because he's perfectly revealed in the person of Jesus. That God loved humanity so much that he came as a baby born in Bethlehem. That he came and he stood in our place. And that he lived a life that was with free of sin and that taught good and did good and set free those that were captive. And that, Father, that you have come and you love us. And that ultimate display of love was put on the cross. But it does, the story doesn't end there that three days later you rose from the grave triumphing over death hell and the grave and that in Jesus we have victory and that we have a ministry to go and do and share with this world so father as you're stirring the hearts and minds and God as we worship today father we just we just simply say we thank you and that we love you and that our hearts are yours in Jesus mighty name as we worship these altars are open I encourage you to come and find someone to agree with you in Jesus name We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. 
and we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.